0: What you haven't felt in a long time is something that's drawing you to stay in this world. It's making this world a safer place, a a place that I want to wake up in. And see, what art does, art has this way of exposing the most beautiful, I'll say this, the most attractive parts of being alive on this planet, in this world with these people. You're listening to a message at Grace Church of Alma, a place where the curious, bored, and discouraged can journey together toward a full life with Jesus. We have now begun the season of Lent. Uh, if you weren't if you were not here Wednesday, we had our um, Ash Wednesday service. Uh, I don't have time to break it all down now, but it's always just uh, it's a moving service for me. Uh, I was able to to a place the ashes on oh, my grandfather's forehead. And it was just kind of a, a special moment, if, if you know uh, what that means. But it marks the start of the season of Lent. So Lent is basically the period of getting ready, getting hungry for Easter. Now, I'm not talking about like, you know, getting hungry for the chocolate Easter bunnies, uh, which I know you all love so much, or the plastic eggs, which the kids love so much. Uh, but we're talking about being hungry for the promise of Easter the promise of Easter is not just the forgiveness of sins. That's Good Friday. The promise of Easter is the resurrection, uh, the hope that there's something after this life, that whenever you, uh, your last breath is taken in this world, that at some point there is another experience of being alive that comes after that. And so Lent is the season where we kind of allow ourselves to get excited about that, to feel our... Uh, Need for it. And so uh, in this season, it's very common for us to kind of pick uh, something to give up. Now, if you're brave, you will fast food. Mm. You don't have to do that, though. You can fast anything, right? Uh, I I know someone who's fasting sodas. He's going to be really rude. Stay away from him in the next few weeks, I'm telling you. But find something, right? Find something that that, uh, means something to you and uh, allow it to be a reminder. Every morning when you would go for that thing which you like, which you love a lot, and you don't get to have it, there's a moment of, oh yeah, that's what's going on right now. Amen? Now, we're, uh, this morning we're starting a new series. That's our Lenten series for this year. Uh, it's a very different angle that we've taken before. Normally Lent is a season of darkness. We want to kind of take you into all of the, uh, I don't know, the skeletons in our closet, right? We talk about pain and fear and death. Uh, I think the series title last year was Death, Dust, and Decay. And everyone was very cheery. I mean, it was awesome. It was almost like uh, every Sunday that the numbers got thinner. Imagine that. I don't want to get depressed today. Can I go somewhere and not feel sad? And so uh, as I prayed about this, this series this year, I really felt like I, I was supposed to flip it. And so, um, in the same way that we are going to talk about these things, because it is part of the season, it's, you know, you you can't really appreciate the resurrection without facing these things. I really felt strongly that I was supposed to approach it from a very different angle. In this country, here in the U.S., we have an epidemic. We have this thing that's on the rise in our country, and it is mental health. It is something that we've seen the overall uh, experience of uh, depression, uh, suicide, anxiety, Uh, panic attacks, they continue to rise in this country. You know, in the 50s, we thought that if we could just have more of the things that we want, internally, it would make us happy. If we had more money, if we had a bigger house, if we had the spouse for the children that we wanted, if we just had that vacation boat, one more trip to Branson, Anybody? Like Pastor Jay, who's not here this Sunday, who's going back to the beach, you can shame her all you want when she gets back. If I was just at the beach, I would be happy. That's all I need to be happy, right? There are all these ideas that these tangible, physical things were the ones that would make us happy. And since the 50s, we've learned that as our country has gotten more and more prosperous, our finances, our safety even, has begun to increase, but yet mental illness has been on the rise. Suicide rates have been on the rise. And even right now, what's, what's scariest uh, right now in, in the U.S. is that it's our young people who have the highest rates we've ever seen. The ages between uh, 14 and 21 right now, the highest rates of suicide, um, anxiety, fear, depression. It's off the charts. It's terrifying. And so the approach for us in this, this series as we talk about these dark things It's almost like I want us to be sitting at the table with someone who's going through these very, very dark moments. And I want us each week to kind of bring up one thing to this person across the table. Just one reason that they should wake up tomorrow and go through that full day. Just one reason to keep them alive another day. right? And I think in that, it's going to help us uh, begin to, one, understand what they're going through. But two, there's all sorts of things about being alive that most of us don't even really know, right? What's really unfortunate, I feel like, when it comes to this topic is that we often think about mental illness and we assume it's someone else, right? But often, um, in my experience as a pastor, most of us would be more characterized as the walking dead than as those who are fully alive, right? Right? Our focus is on getting through a Monday, the the Monday blues, our focus on getting to a weekend or to a momentary experience of a great meal or maybe a a football game or an hour out fishing on the boat. But really, we live the majority of our lives running from life to escape it to a couple few moments of pleasure. It's not really being alive at all, is it? And so really I feel like this series is going to help all of us learn what it is to fully be alive, to be fully human every day that we are, that we're here. Now, if you guys have your Bibles, let's go to 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 1. Hear this all the time. Well, you know, Devin, all we need is prayer. Amen, hallelujah. Come on now. Oh, you're depressed. There's a Bible verse for that. Here, read the verse. You'll feel much better. Anybody? Anybody? maybe you should go to church more often. Yeah, Pastor Devin's really good at making people happy. That was a joke. And uh, as in uh, most cases with the Scriptures, when you begin to read them with ordinary, honest eyes, you begin to see things in the Scriptures that you didn't see before. When we don't over-spiritualize everything that's happening in the Scriptures, and we begin to realize these are stories of actual human beings, real emotions and experiences and situations, reactions. So, let's go find uh, one of the ancient heroes of the faith, Elijah. Verse 1, Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done, how he had killed all of Baal's prophets with the sword. Jezebel sent a message to Elijah with this to say, may the gods do whatever they want to with me, if by this time tomorrow I haven't made your life like that of them. Code, she's going to kill him. Verse 3, Elijah was terrified. He got up and ran for his life. He arrived at Beersheba in Judah and left his assistant there. Just just pause for a second. This man has just called down fire, and he has just killed hundreds of people with his own bare hands. One woman has made this man run for his life. This is awesome. And if you didn't think that women were powerful, introduction, this is a wise man. (laughs) He himself went farther into the desert, a day's journey, He finally sat down under a solitary bush. He longed for his own death. It's more than enough, Lord. Take my life because I am no better than my ancestors. He lay down and slept under the solitary bush. Then suddenly a messenger tapped him and said to him, get up. Eat something. Pause there with me for a second. I love the messenger doesn't stop and say, hey, depressed person, pray with me. Amen. Did anyone notice that depressed person? Read this from the scrolls. You will feel much better. He says, "What? Hey, wake up. Eat some food. Get up. Stretch a little bit. Here, drink this. It wasn't water, by the way. I'm just gonna let you know. Anyways, um, moving on. Not just kidding. <laughs> Get up, eat eat some of this. Uh, Elijah opened his eyes and saw flatbread baked on glowing coals and a jar of water right by his head. Fresh, good stuff, right? He ate and drank and then went back to sleep. The Lord's messenger returned a second time and tapped him. Get up, the messenger said. Eat something because you have a difficult road ahead of you. Elijah got up, ate and drank, and went refreshed by that food for 40 days and nights until he arrived at Horeb. God's mountain. There he went into a cave and spent the night. The Lord's word came to him and said, Why are you here, Elijah? Now I could open up that passage for quite a few weeks. There's a lot going on there, right? But often um, in, in the scriptures, especially in uh, the book of Hebrews, the book about faith, we, we see a reference back to the heroes of the faith. And in the book of Hebrews, it paints it as if all that we need is faith. See, if you just had faith like Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Moses and Elijah, then you wouldn't be suffering the way that you are, right? What's so beautiful about the Scriptures is is that it likes to wrestle with itself. It likes to be really honest and trust God at the same time. And it, it has the ability in Hebrews to tell us the importance of trusting God, but has the honesty in 1 Kings to tell us what's really happening. Here's a person who is experiencing such deep depression and loneliness. This person is is isolating themselves, withdrawing. They're not taking care of their physical needs. This person is ready to die. He even says it. Hasten my death is the phrase, right? Hasten my death, that my my death would come sooner. Of course, this is not the only time we see this. We see this all throughout the Old Testament, especially we see this with, with Job, we see this with uh, Noah, we see this uh, with uh, Jonah, we see this all in the Old Testament, these people who experience these depths and these lows. Now, if you are not familiar with mental illness in our country, here are a few stats for you to kind of just uh, to, uh, to have a little introduction for you. One in five Americans have a form of mental illness. If you have five people in a row, look at them. Just look down at them. One of us—it's one of us—it's one of us on the row. Somebody here is struggling on the inside, right? We have to laugh a little bit so we can even think about it. Because if you don't laugh, then it gets heavy, right? But one of us is struggling. Smile on the outside, right? We're still here. We dress up, have our hair did, right? But someone on this row is struggling. It's in pain. Seventeen point three million U.S. adults. Uh, have experienced an episode of severe depression in this year. That's a lot of people. And what's even scarier is the numbers rise to about 35% of people between the ages of 18 and 25. 35% of the adults between 18 and 25 have experienced severe depression this year. 31% of Americans uh, experience severe anxiety. Here we go. Suicide, uh, I believe this was uh, in 2017. Suicide was the 10th leading cause of death in the U.S. 10th. It gets worse. Suicide was the second leading cause of death in ages 10 through 34. Think about that for just one second. Between the ages of 10 and 34, it was the second most powerful thing that took life in our country. Think about that. The second most powerful thing that took life in that age group, 10 to 34. The ones who should be hopeful. The ones who have their energy and their excitement and they're still dreamers and they still have their bodies, right? Still got their hair, right? In 2017, there were twice as many suicides as homicides in the U.S. Twice as many people took their own life than the people who had their lives taken by someone else. Sit with that for a second. Twice as many people in the U.S. took their own lives than people who lost their lives to some act of violence from someone else. My goodness. So as I've said as a pastor, I've experienced that Often, especially in churches, we're really good at learning how to go through life with kind of a plastic shell on, right? We've learned how to just kind of how to get through the week, how to smile with our kids, how to how to do just like the bare minimum, right? Say good night to uh, you know our friends or our spouse, whatever it is, and just kind of we have this ability to to kind of function as there's something else going on under the surface, because see, I, in the church especially, we have this idea. About living, and we almost assume we assume that living is just something that everyone does. You wake up and you live, you live another day. But one thing that I want you to realize this morning is that living is a choice. I'll have to sink in. Living is a choice, it is something that we actively choose to do each moment of our lives. Now, there is the ability for you to be functioning, to be breathing physically but to not be alive in any other way, right? In a hospital room, we can see this, where there, there is a body that is it's on the bed breathing, but there's no brain activity. We've also seen this in uh, emotional mental illness situations where you can have someone who physically is present, but emotionally, they're locked away. And then just the most common way, we can go through life every day, but we don't even know what it is or why it is that we live. And so I've always had compassion for people who experience this. I think most pastors who are honest would, ex- would be honest and say that to be in the ministry, to be a social worker, maybe to be a counselor, things like this, you will experience extreme bouts of depression and pain internally. You will experience these things when you get involved with other people. There's something about being involved with the inner life of other people that unlocks the inner life of, of yourself. It's a scary experience. And yet again, in the church, this is one of the last places that you will hear people talk about this reality. But yet, we believe that we are the ones who have the answer to this. We believe that we have the answer to healing, to purpose, to to life itself, to life after this life, but we're the last ones to speak about this experience of pain. We're the last ones to acknowledge it. Uh, From my own experience, I'll tell you this. I'll tell you that we have a stigma as Christians with counseling. There is this idea that if you would go to a, a counselor for your mental, emotional health, you are less of a Christian. You don't trust God as much. You're probably not reading your Bible enough. You're not praying enough. You're not listening to the right uh, Air One songs. I don't know what we do. Who knows? There's something that you aren't doing if you've got to go to a counselor, Right? And as you guys know, if you've been here at Grace Church for any time at all, you realize that this is not the way that I approach things, not the way that our church approaches things. The truth is that most of us in this room have not even done any work at all to to begin to open up our inner life, what happens inside of us, our emotions, our past, our experiences, the things that literally move you through life. We all experience that you can get uh, hurt in your body, you can get sick in your body if you get the flu. We're all going to go get the shot. Well, some of us will. Others will have really good oil for it. Amen. Come on. Stay with me. If, if you guys break a bone, right, you will go to the doctor to have it set. If you're like me and you're having back problems, you'll go have some like giant grown man crack your body. <laughs> right? And everyone says, that's terrific. i had a really good week. It felt awful. Amen. But if <laughs> we only typically pay any attention to the inner life when it when the pain gets too much to bear, right? When it screams too much, we only go get counseling for our marriage when we're about to lose our marriage, right? We only go to get uh, to see the pastor when our life is falling apart. We only pay attention to the inner life when we can't ignore anymore. But yet, this should be the place that we that we talk about this all the time because we do believe that we have a solution for this, an answer for this. Now, again, imagine that we are at a table with someone who's experiencing extreme forms of depression or anxiety. Each week, I want us to give this person a reason to wake up the next day. Now, my reasons might seem a little odd to you. These are not going to be the typical kind of in-the-box answers, if you couldn't uh, guess that already. I really want people to, I want someone who is in the depths of, of depression To have something that sparks interest. Something that wakes up an emotion inside of them. I want them to be curious. I want them to be uh, hungry to experience something the next day. I don't want to guilt them into it. Hey, if you did this, how would it affect everyone else that you love? That's how you should live. Live out of guilt, would you? Well, don't you know that somewhere, I've heard pastors say, if you kill yourself, you're going to burn forever. Forever. Because that's the best way to live, out of fear. You'll be a healthy human being. Wake up every morning in terror. You'll be a great parent, an awesome friend. I'm going to call you every time I want to be cheered up. You owe it to someone. I want you to live every morning out of obligation. You owe it to these people, right? If you die, you'll be letting people down. Sure, heaping more weight and depression and anxiety on top of someone who's experiencing these things is, is going to help them. I'm sure that will. So here's my first um, idea. Here's my first thing I want to offer someone across the, the table as they're experiencing these emotions and happiness. Here's what I would say So, what about art? How about art? What do you think about that? And you all go, what? Didn't see that coming, amen. Right, and that's exactly how they would too. By the way, I'd catch their attention. Here we'd say, "Okay, here we go." So, what about art? And they'd say, "What about art?" I would say this: Art is, by definition, the expression or the application of human creative skill and imagination, typically in a visual forms such as painting, sculpture, producing works to be appreciated primarily for their beauty or emotional power. And we all go. That's your advice to someone in, who's in like deep depression? Awesome. <laughs> we need a better pastor. Okay. Let me explain. Let me explain. Art. Experiencing life for its beauty. Art. Experiencing the emotional side of being alive. Feeling things. When you are experiencing deep depression, anxiety, fear, you are feeling many things or feeling nothing. And in that space, what you haven't felt in a long time is something that's drawing you to stay in this world. It's making this world a safer place, a a place that I want to wake up in. And see, what art does, art has this way of exposing the most beautiful, I'll say this, the most attractive parts Of being alive on this planet in this world with these people how about this if i were to say i want you to wake up tomorrow morning so you can watch cnn and fox news amen is this going to help anyone the world's a great place watch fox and cnn i don't let my kids see any of that all of them are crazy psychos they make up five percent of our planet don't pay attention to them I promise there are sane people alive, right? These are extremes. These are emotional highs. These are, this is fighting intention and, and animosity, but there's something else on this planet worth being alive for. You're right. This is all here. This is real, but there's something else here that's worth being alive for. Now, I've got some slides for you of art. Would you like to see them? Of course you would. All right. Let's go to the first one. Which one do we got? Oh, hey, let's not start with that one. Let's go to the old people the beautiful people. Put them up there. I had to say that because he wouldn't know what... sorry. American Gothic. Doesn't this make you want to be alive? It's a joke. It's a joke. All right, on to the next one. Starry Night. Now, most of you will see this and go, eh, but there might be a couple of you who see what's going on here, right? There might be a couple of us who are in a space in life where we let ourselves feel what's going on here. There are emotions in this. There are questions going on in this. And again, you don't have to feel these things right now. But there's a lot that's going on in this. How about the next one? Now this one's fun. Banksy, who knows who Banksy is, anybody? Three people, awesome. I like Banksy. How about this one, again? At first glance, most personality types will not get any value out of this. We'll say, okay, great, I see it. That looks really simple. I bet you someone in the nursery could write that. But there's something going on there. Now, there are multiple different forms of art, right? We've got all different things. We've got paintings like these, we've got sculptures. And now, I didn't put these on here. The famous ones of David or the Thinking Man. You guys have seen that. The Thinking. Three of us again. Awesome. We love art. How about dance? Have you ever watched those, uh, what's that dance show called? So You Think You Can Dance. I love watching these people because they're so weird, right? When they win something, when they get selected or something good happens, they jump and they twirl and they roll. Do you do that? I always watch them. I go, I wonder what I'm missing. Like, what have I lost that they have? Because I don't feel things like that in my body ever, right? Like, that's cool. Now, have you ever hung around with like two and three-year-olds? What do they do when they're upset? Jump, kick, roll. What do they do when they're happy? Same thing. Woo, okay. I think there's something we're missing, right? Art. Connecting to something that's beyond this part of our lives, right? You cannot argue someone in depression out of depression. You can't do it. You can't argue someone out of suicidal thoughts. It doesn't work that way. We have to connect them to something. We have to draw them out of this place. We have to hug them out of this place, right? And so what's happening here is I'm trying to show you that there are things that, that are part of being alive that most of us never even think of. Song. Now we're getting to like more like Western, most of us accept this kind of art, right? Like, do you listen to music, anybody? Now, who listens to good music? Now, I appreciate air one, amen, I'm glad you listen to it, amen, hallelujah. But I mean like good music. (laughs) Stuff you'd listen to if you weren't a Christian, right? Trying to please Jesus, amen. Like good music, okay. It's good, right? It's good. It connects to us in some... We don't even know why we listen to music. Uh, I had a series on that. We're, doing, we're still doing science on the human brain. Why are humans drawn to rhythm? Why do we need music? It doesn't make any sense at all. Stories. Uh, who likes to read? Hey, here we go. How about this? Who likes to watch stories, movies? Yeah, yeah Here we go. There are moments, right, where we just need to hide in a good movie or a good book, right? There's, there's something about these forms of, of art which take us places, right? If it's good, it takes you somewhere, right? Now, there are three gifts that art um, provides us with. These are the three primary reasons that I would take someone who's dealing with depression and I would find a form of art that they connect with. Music, paintings, sculptures, dance, stories, books, movies, whatever it was. Um, Did anyone get to go to the art installation up at, uh, what was it called, Um, the Northern Lights? Did anyone go see that? Okay, I would take them there. (laughs) There were these experiences at night, and so what you'd do is you'd walk in this area and you'd wait. And what would happen was, these, these, these art experiences would happen every five minutes. You would stand in this section, and all of a sudden, there would be sounds, there would be light, there would be smoke, and it was just, it was unbelievable. It, it was a full, sensual, I mean, your senses, experience. You take people who you can never take to Crystal Bridges and show them, you know, starry night, they'd go, yeah, cool, <laughs> I don't get it. And these people were enveloped by it. It was amazing to see all these people, you know, these... 18-year-olds on a date, yeah, you know, super cool, you know, and like, they'd be like, yeah, and all of a sudden there'd be a moment they'd be like, oh, <laughs> oh, come on, another 18. Oh, that's cool. That's what I would do. I would take them to these places, connect them to something. Here are the three gifts of art. The first one, connection. If you or anyone that you love and know has gone through any form of like deep, mental illness, you understand that one of the first things you experience is isolation. You feel alone in your experiences. If you haven't been there, and if you don't know someone who has been there, then it doesn't sound intense to you. But if you've been there, then you know what I mean. It's not being apart from people. It's literally being cut off from people. It's not that I could just walk back in the room with the party and hang out if I wanted to. Is that literally I am unable to get around to feel connected? I can be in a room full of people talking to me and feel completely alone. And art has a way of allowing us to feel connected to other people. There are, you know, these art experiences, whether it's a song, most common way most of us have experiences. Have you ever experienced a song that just takes you somewhere? If you haven't, you need to listen to better music. Okay, amen. A story that takes you somewhere, a movie that takes you somewhere, right? Some experience through your senses that took you somewhere that you were not in that previous moment. It transports you. And what it's doing is connecting you to something that someone else has felt. Uh, And these types of things, I've seen people who who weren't able to put into words what they were going through say I had them in my office, and we're talking over things, or I have coffee, and we're talking about what they're feeling. They couldn't put it in words, but they could give me a song. Here's how I'm feeling right here. And in that song, I, we could feel connected. It connects us to the experiences of others. It allows us to realize that we're not alone in what we're going through. It allows us to feel connected to things that are bigger than us. I can't even open that one up today. Scriptures are full of this, right? There's a passage I'd love to go to, but I'm I'm running behind. But if you guys have your Bibles later on, you can go to Genesis 28. In the Old Testament, there is a practice of making monuments. Do you know what that is? Monuments. Now, we think that only crazy people do this type of stuff, but this is an ancient Hebrew and Christian thing to do. When we have a deep emotional experience, we've got to find a way to to express that physically. And so you see these, I'm going to pile rocks. (laughs) Again, sounds crazy to you, I get it. But it's a way to connect to what's happening in a place that we can't see, feel, or touch. Right. So connection is the first gift of art. Here's the second gift of art. Inspiration. When you are going through these dark places, if you guys have teenagers, teenagers, often because of the, the emotional state they're in with the hormones and things taking place in their body, they often experience uh, certain levels of depression, anxiety, fear. This might help you connect to them. There's something about being overwhelmed with what you are feeling that makes life feel unbearable. It's just too much, right? There's too much going on. Whether you feel it emotionally, whether you feel it in your body, you feel it in your mind, Just your, your, uh, your thoughts are swirling. There's something about being enveloped in your own problems that is suffocating for us as human beings. We're not meant to live in isolation. It's hard for us to to experience. And so the Greeks had this word, this idea, this word um, inspiration. The Greeks believed it came from the children of Zeus. They called them uh, uh, the muses, the nine muses. The idea of uh, inspiration, it comes from the word uh, basically to be inspired, to, to feel, right? To be emotional, uh, to be, how about this, uh, enthusiastic. And the idea was that there is something that's going to come into you that wasn't from you. Sounds over, stay with me. Imagine if you feel completely alone, isolated, swallowed up in your stress, anxiety, fear, worry, whatever it is, anger. And then you experience something outside of you filling you. Now, if you're a Christian, we'll say, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Does that make you feel better? Oh, we feel better. Good. Okay. Mm. Inspiration. To feel something come into you that isn't you. Meaning, to connect in a deep way with something that isn't you, that you didn't create. Often, people who, who experience inspiration find purpose They find peace, they find clarity, they're able to deal with anxiety. Uh, Often people who have these types of experiences will will find painting, writing, sculpture, clay molding, whatever it is, they'll find it to be therapeutic. To step back from something and say, "I, I don't know where this came from, but apparently it was in me somewhere. Step back from a piano or from writing a song and say, I don't know where that came from, but for some reason, connecting, knowing that that came out of me brings me peace. Art brings us inspiration. The third gift of art, expression. See, the inner life is much like the outer life. And so in the same way that we have to inhale, right, and exhale, right, Things need to come in. We need to constantly be connecting to people, having experiences, feelings, ideas, learning, growing. We also have to be able to express things. If you are unhealthy emotionally, often you have an issue in one of these areas. You're either not able to receive or you're not able to share, to express things. And sometimes people, not everyone feels comfortable or adequate expressing things in words. You can have a teenager or a loved one sit them down and say, what's going on? What's wrong? Just tell me. And the words seem to sputter out and they just get locked up. And it just, you seem to make it worse. Just talk it out. Talk it out. And see, sometimes art gives us a way to get things out without the pain of struggling through words. Because some people just, it doesn't come naturally for them. It gives us a way to let things go. When I've talked to people who, who write music, who write stories, uh, who make pieces of art, they often tell me that the best part of it is being able to share what they've created with someone else. It, that there's just something about someone else knowing what you're going through that's healing. And art gives us a way to share, to express what we're going through with others. Now, if you have anyone who you love who's going through uh, any forms of, of uh, mental illness, here are some take-home tips for you. Simple, but uh tips I want to help you with. First one: pay attention. Pay attention. Now, when you pay attention to something or someone, you study, meaning you're, you're watching in a way that you're expecting to learn something. I did not say to, to pay attention in a way that you are making assumptions. Often with friends, family, they're so close to us, even children or even parents. They're so close to us that we assume we know what's going on with them. We assume that we know like where the behavior's coming. We assume we know why they're acting this way or feeling this way. But to pay attention means that we come to them expecting to learn something. We don't know what's happening. We expect to learn. After we pay attention, the next thing we do is we listen. See, I'm a fixer. I like to fix people. I like to help people. I'm, I'm very good at listening so that I can fix things, right? And so sometimes with someone who's going through these types of, of um dark places, when we begin to try to meddle and to fix them, often we're causing more harm. Listening and just listening is a very difficult skill that we have to practice. I encourage you in this one. This is a huge one for us Christians. Seek help. Don't assume that because you are their best friend or their spouse or their child or their parent that you know and you're able to save them. Don't do that. Find help. At Grace Church, we believe in counseling. Okay. Amen. Hallelujah. If you want to come to myself or to like one of these pastors, we will help you. And you know what I'll do? I might go, hey, this is not something I'm going to help you with because this is over my head. I'm going to send you to someone who's made their life's goal about learning how to work and deal with these things. I'm not afraid of that. If you come to me... With the coronavirus, I'll pray for you. And then I'll send you to the CDC. Amen, hallelujah. This is not my area of expertise. Oh, it's jokes. i jokes. Okay. On to the next one. The role that you are to take is to support. It's not to save them. Now, this is very important for you. Because sometimes there are things that we can't control, and sometimes there are outcomes that we can't control. And if you go into this with the idea that you are going to save them and things don't go the way that you thought they were going to go, there's a lot of uh, guilt and shame and anger and weight that we can place on ourselves. You are not their Savior. You're not. Here's the last one for you guys. You've got to take care of yourself. This is very hard. It's something I'm not very good at. When there's someone who I feel like needs my help, I'm not very good at taking care of myself in the process. Now, we've all heard some, some form of this, but we we're unable to give someone the things we don't have, right? You've all experienced the uh, flight attendant in the airplane talking to parents. Parents, put your mask on first and then your child's, right? We've all heard this. No? Okay. The idea is this, right? What good are you to your child if you are passed out? (laughs) No good at all, right? Take care of yourself. Take care of your own mental and emotional health at the same time you're trying to support someone who's going through difficult times. If you are not healthy, what good are you in helping them to get healthy? Amen? Would you guys stay with me this morning? This morning when I was, I was prepping, I, I was just kind of shocked at all the, just the immediate examples in the Scriptures that are coming to mind of all of the examples of like mental health in the Scriptures. And it's again, it's overwhelming how it's in there. And the one thing I love about every example that popped into my mind was that in those passages, the first response of God is that God is present. And each time there's someone who's dealing with these dark places that we go, the reaction of God is not shame or to guilt them or to abandon them. The reaction of God is that God is present with them. And the first thing that you always see God do in these moments is to remind them that God is near. When Elijah goes through this, this moment, he, he's actually hiding by himself under a, a bush. The first thing that God does, he doesn't say, get out of there. Stand up. Suck it up. You're one of my generals or whatever. I don't even know how that goes. God comes to him, meets him exactly where he is, takes care of his physical needs, and then begins to lead him to healing. Father, we just pray this morning. um, We ask that you'd allow us to pay attention. Even this morning right now, we ask that if there's anyone in our lives who we love, who is close to us, who is struggling internally, depression, anxiety, panic attacks, suicidal thoughts. We ask that you would, by the Spirit of God, make us aware, nudge us, wake us up to this. We pray that you would give us the patience and the wisdom to support them through this. We are not their Savior, you are. And we ask that you would lead us and how to support them and to love them through this. And if that person is us, if we are the one who's struggling, if the people who love us, close to us, don't know that we are struggling, ask, Lord, that you would give us just a moment, just a minute of strength to be able to get it out to the right person. Just give us a moment where we can find the courage, we can shake off the shame, and we can go tell the people who love us, who want to help us, that we need help.